Hello Woodworms, I'm Ray Defterius and this is the Hand Toolbook Review, the podcast for people who love woodwork and love reading about woodworking too. Toolbooks again? Yep, today's book is from Paul Sellers and is available from roguesmith.com on their website. It's $45 or $65 if you want the accompanying DVDs. I'd suggest you're careful about ordering the DVDs as they PAL encoded which may or may not present a problem depending on the standard in your country and your DVD playing capabilities. I don't own the DVDs, so I can't comment on those. Before we dive into the book, I'd just like to say thanks to everyone who's taken the time to review the show on their platform of choice. It helps spread the word and it's really appreciated. I love this review posted by More HSN titled, I love this podcast for all the wrong reasons. I've been listening to Ray's calm and considered synopses of great hand tool woodworking books for nine months, and I love it. Short, sweet, thought-provoking, and focused on my interest in hand tool woodworking. The book reviews are interesting and likely to inspire woodworking woodworms, but this is not why I like it. Realistically, I'm not going to buy or read my way through that many woodworking books, at least not soon. No, I like it for the accumulated experience of someone further down the road than me but not yet an expert. The dangers of tool acquisition disorder, mistakes shared, lessons Ray has learned from his books, and his bench, passed on incidentally while discussing a topic from the pages of this week's books. That's not to say I've not been inspired to look up a few books on the way. I also like the book readings and interviews. Thanks for all the hard work, Ray. Well, thanks for the review. I'm glad you love it for whatever reasons. Furthermore, I'd like to particularly thank my patrons in this particular episode. Your support means a lot to me, and I've wanted to make an announcement to the patrons here. That's in case you missed my recent note. As I explained, I've been suspending my Patreon charges for the next month, as I feel that lately I've really slipped behind in the number of episodes I would have liked to have gotten out. Last year, I guess, was phenomenal in terms of output because of the time savings from being at home, and I guess, in a way, I'm paying the price now. I'm not getting into as many books as I would like, partly because with work picking up as a result of getting back to work proper post-COVID, and partly because I've not been able to read as much as I'd like. I'm going to try and get back to two to three reviews a month, and I thank you for all your patience and support while I go a bit quiet. Sometimes life happens, and I don't want to compromise on quality. Anyway, back to the book. If you search the internet for content about hand tools, there are a couple of celebrities that are bound to pop up. Rex Kruger and Shannon from Renaissance Woodworker are both great friends of the show, while James Wright of Wood by Wright brings a joyful enthusiasm to the craft that is absolutely compelling. Stumpy Nubs, Wood Whisperer, the list goes on. But two of the personalities that I consider true educators are Sean Graham from Worth the Effort and Paul Sellers. But Paul can be a slightly polarizing figure, and it's a bit of a mystery to me as why. I've heard him mentioned a few times in the context of his supporters being vitriolic or fanatical about his points of view, and yet in his defense, I've never seen evidence of this in the content he creates. In my opinion, he's a seasoned professional with years of experience, trained in the British tradition, who loves sharing his passion for hand tools. I have no idea why his followers seem to get caught out occasionally in the war of words about the best or the right way to do something. 
Personally, I've never considered any single individual to have the monopoly on intelligence. And I think this is doubly true for woodworking, with its many different disciplines and avenues. What Jenny Alexander does, or Peter Follinsby does, regardless of whether it's different, is by no means an exhaustive view on a topic. I recently watched Ted Lasso on Apple TV, and there's a wonderful episode where he makes a resounding point with a Walt Whitman quote. Be curious, not judgmental. It's a great show, by the way. I'd ask you to consider your opinion on any internet forum against this backdrop. Being right isn't as important as creating a safe place to share, so let's try and remember that we're all here for love of the game and acknowledge everyone's right to do things their way. And maybe be curious about why they find that way good, not judgmental. I think you'll be all the better for it. Speaking of the internet, well done to Christina Bryars and Brad for being this year's winner of the Golden Glue Pot Award. I've loved following your progress. Christina, the work you do with an axe is an inspiration to me. And if there was ever one gentleman to be acknowledged on the internet for respectfully answering a question and showing as many different ways as possible, and yet not deriding anyone. Brad, you might remember a few episodes back joined the show to talk about tools. Brad, you'd be that gentleman to me. It was great to see you acknowledged in this way, and I think it's well deserved. And I was reflecting back on when I asked you for an interview right near the beginning of the show. You humbly agreed while professing not to be an expert. I think, now, as an award-winning woodworker, you can put that to bed and acknowledge you're really a superstar to us. Anyway, enough rabbiting on. That review of the show said short and sweet, so let's get back to the book proper. Paul Sellers is a renowned woodworking teacher in the UK. With half a million followers on YouTube, he's pretty much a renowned woodworking teacher worldwide, in a virtual capacity. He trained through an apprentice program, and I've always enjoyed his anecdotes about George and those years of his life. In fact, if there's a book I'd like from Paul, that's those first four or five years as he started his career. He began woodworking in 1965 and has personally taught thousands of people in the US and UK. He's also a bit of an eBay price force, I guess like Chris Schwarz and the Schwarz effect. If Paul recommends a tool, it can have a horrible impact on the cost of those tools. If you've ever sworn at the price of a second-hand router plane or a plow plane, you must at least take some of the blame. So what is Hand Tool Essentials like? I'll start by saying that if you own Paul's other book, Working Wood 1 and 2, you can safely ignore that experience. Working Wood is not a book that I would rush out and buy. It's not bad, but in my opinion, it's moderately forgettable and a book I wouldn't buy again if I had the choice. Essential Woodworking Hand Tools, on the other hand, is a fantastic book. When I was forced to choose a book about tools for the first series, I decided on Graham Blackburn's books, but it was a hard decision, and one that was ultimately driven by the fact that I think Graham's books are a great series as a whole, and are very comprehensive. Paul's book is possibly the better book as a standalone book. I also think that Paul's books will appeal to hand tool users who are not necessarily as interested in history as I am while Graham certainly throws that into the mix. At 480 pages, it's got a lot of thud factor to it. The back cover alludes to the fact that the book could have been thicker and that it took a lot of work to get down to the tools covered in the book. I'm sure that depending on your viewpoint, you might feel that there are tools that should have been included or some that could have been excluded, but I don't think anyone will argue that this book is a really good selection that covers many categories and a good core toolbox. Thinking back to Christina at the beginning of the show, 
I might suggest that throwing in a bit about hatchets and carpentry axes would have been a nice addition. Or thinking about Matt Bickford, I missed the addition of a set of hollow and rounds. But I think it's fair to say that the tools covered are the ones that should be used by everyone. Whereas some of the tools I mentioned probably fit better into a category of specialist or non-essential tools. This is not a tool encyclopedia or the tool bible book. And frankly, I think a global movement focused on less tool buying might be a very worthwhile aim. So I can hardly find fault with a good solid selection. So what's included in the book? There are eight main sections and generally these are in the region of 40 to 50 pages long. Sharpening and sharpening equipment covers sharpening stones, the strop, sharpening files, saw sets and burnishes. Layout tools covers the combination square, tape measure, layout knife, marking gauge and sliding bevel. Chisels and gouges tell you what that chapter is about. Saws cover the art of shawl sharpening, hand saws, back saws and coping saws. Scrapers, rasps and files have their own chapter. And boring and drilling tools covers three main areas, the brace and bits, the hand drill and the square awl. Hammers is the final chapter and that covers the nylon headed hammer, the steel hammer and the mallet. Seven chapters above are typically around 40 or 50 pages. And there's one other chapter that takes up a disproportionate amount of the book. And this is the chapter on planes. At 130 pages long, this is about two or three times longer than any other chapter. And frankly, I think this balance is great. You get coverage of bench planes, the spoke shave, the plow plane and the router plane. So, in a way, it's almost like having four chapters that are comparable to the others, dealing with each of those topics. I guess getting the balance right was always going to be tough. So 50 pages on bench planes might feel a bit light, but frankly I think the basics, or essentials if you want, are covered. And this is the easiest section to supplement by going and getting a copy of one of the three books that I recommended specifically about planes. So I'm glad that bench planes did not overwhelm the book, as tempting as that might have been to the author because I personally think a lot of other wisdom would have had to give way. Let's take a look inside and see what a typical chapter is going to be like. I've chosen to look into the boring tools section. Certainly not boring in that way. It's a section that focuses on three tools. Like all the sections, these are identified and referenced in the first double page spread. And in this case, we find out that the brace and brit will be from pages 405 to 426, followed by the hand drill, which is a further 10 pages, and then the square all, which rounds the chapter off with a further eight pages. The pictures in the section are full colour, and you'll see good high quality and artistic photos of tools, both at rest and in usage. A hallmark of the book is the way that Paul devotes a decent amount of time and space to important items, and is not scared to use multiple photos or diagrams where this is required. An example is close-ups of parts of the brace, which have five pictures or the sequence of cuts of the bit, which has four close-up shots that clearly explain how the tool works in action. Whether it's the position of the oil holes or some other detail about the ratcheting mechanism, you're going to find the detail you need here to be efficient with the tools. As I've said before, this is not an encyclopedia of tools with wide but shallow coverage. This is a dedicated deep dive into the core tools. Aside from the photos, I'm a fan of Paul's diagrams. Paul is outspoken about the fact that a woodworker should learn to draw. It's a viewpoint I'm not convinced about. 
However, I certainly think that his skill and the evocative nature of his drawings is a real asset in the case of this book. This book, like Sloan's or Blackburn's, manages to convey more information in a well-put-together diagram than an equivalent photo would be able to convey. In fact, in my opinion, often a good diagram can replace a number of photos, and I think Paul's do exactly that in this book. The text of the chapter starts out with an explanation of why these tools are not seen as often as they used to be. There's no doubt that the ubiquitous, cheap, and effective battery drill has taken a tool that I remember fondly while growing up in the 80s and turned it into a bit of an oddity in the typical workshop. Like the Yankee screwdriver, hand-powered drills, as remarkably effective as they are, are no longer common in a world that trivializes the electricity consumption. Paul's no purist in this regard, and he argues that there's a place for both in the workshop. It's a piece of pragmatism that I'd agree with. I often use an impact driver for coarse repetitive work, for example when I built an outdoor pet enclosure for my friend's turtle out of wood. In that case, the thought of driving multitudes of holes before screwing in the fasteners was not one that I would have enjoyed in the African sun. However, when it comes to smaller pieces of work, the time taken to use a human-powered tool can pay off. I've yet to have an egg beater run a mock and ruin a surface. I also think that the precision of where you can stop a brace or egg beater is certainly worth a moderate amount of effort in certain applications, and I've yet to find any type of cordless drill that can drive holes the size of a brace without jamming. In particular, I'm glad that Paul included the square awl in this book. It's a tool that I bought out of a bit of a whim to try it out, but it's an absolutely staple in my DIY around the house toolbox, as well as being used in the workshop. The ease with which you can accurately position some pilot holes with this little tool is really incredible, and I think that any project employing screws in particular can benefit from its use. As we progress through each subsection, Paul begins with an explanation of the relevance, the why or what of the tool, if you will. Even if you're unfamiliar with the tool, by the time you have read the first few pages, you'll be clear on its use and purpose. There are often tips to look out for when buying secondhand, as many of the tools covered in the book are more readily found, or more cost-effectively found, or simply of better quality when bought antique. This can be useful if you have a thriving second-hand market near you, or it can be tangential. If you're buying off eBay, you can't always physically examine the tools in the specific manner that Paul recommends. Regardless of whether or not you fall into this category, or you're going to purchase tools from a premium supplier of modern-day equivalents, the knowledge gained in this section is bound to save you frustration and money. Where it makes sense, Paul will discuss the relative merits of specific type of tools. So, for example, whether an old wooden brace that may look gorgeous is a better buy than a more modern equivalent. I think you're bound to pick up a few tips and tricks. After that, we cover the parts of the tool. Considerations like sweep, ratcheting versus non-ratcheting, types of bits, and you'll learn the purpose of the parts, and there's good coverage in this case about the way you go about sharpening a bit, and what you would consider a damaged or unusable bit. It's a surprisingly important piece of information because many of your second-hand store finds are going to actually have bits that have been damaged or sharpened in a way that makes them unusable. You'll see some clear pictures here of symptoms of bad bits. I always think that instructional books are difficult to write because when you compare them to today's rich content in media such as YouTube videos, etc., 
it's hard to keep up with the volume of sights, sounds, visuals and explanations. So I'm in two minds as to whether learning techniques from this book is ever going to be as good as the equivalent in-person instruction or good instructional videos. However, I do find the descriptions coupled with the photography to be clear and to the point, often highlighting nuances that you might not pick up in watching a simple demonstration. So these parts of the book are going to be dependent a lot on your personal knowledge, access to other channels, and personal learning styles. I would say that if you are only able to learn from print media, then the book is an excellent resource. If like many of us you take a blended approach, I think the book is good at giving you the fundamentals, which can then be supplemented in your own time with online resources. And the beauty of the book is that it puts you in a place where you'll have that education of knowing what to look for. In particular, I think the clear focus on common issues, for example, how to prevent blowout, they make the book a good resource, even for seasoned woodworkers. I find that with this book, if I pick it up after a period of learning on my own in the shop, there are sections that I gravitate towards for a reread. Basically, the book has a good long shelf life, and I think it could easily be a lifetime companion, and one that your kids or grandchildren read in their own time. In the case of braces, Paul finishes the section with coverage of different types of bits, including items like expanding bits and some of the more uncommon types. I think you're bound to learn something in these segues. So I hope going through one of these sections gives you an idea of what you're getting. It's the kind of book I wish I'd received early in my career, and I think you'll enjoy it if you get a copy. It's not a cheap book, but I think, like a good tool, you'll get your money's worth. So in conclusion, Essential Hand Tools is 480 pages long and is written by Paul Sellers. You can find the book at roguesmith.com and as at May 2021, it costs 65 US dollars. That's for a hardbound book with accompanying DVDs. Or alternatively, you can pay $45 for the book on its own. If you're starting on your hand tool journey and you can get hold of a copy of this book, which may or may not be tricky depending on which geography you live in. It's a book I can heartily recommend. It's also the kind of book that I'd really suggest could be put on a Christmas list for your folks or for your kids and let them go through the hassle of sourcing it for you. If I was opening this as a Christmas present, whether new to the hobby or as a seasoned woodworker, there are plenty of great tips and tricks and explanations that I believe you'll benefit from. So I'm giving the book a 7 out of 10 in the category Tools. So that's it for now, Woodworms. And remember, be curious and not judgmental. And keep reading. If you have any comments or suggestions, perhaps a favorite book you'd like to suggest or one you're considering buying that you'd like me to feature on a future episode, send me an email at handtoolbookreview at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can find me on Patreon and your contributions will support the purchase of books for the library and future episodes. Mm-hmm.